What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Paint show presented by Ball is Life. Ronnie Flores and Devin Newland back with you again for episode 23, the Jordan episode. Uh, Ronnie's been in Vegas for the last couple weeks. Um, I don't know what he's doing over there. No one, I don't think anyone needs to know what he's doing over there. Um, Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, he's he's doing some some uh, mischievous things, um, but we're back, and we are gonna, you know, bring you a whole lot of good stuff today from um, the Lakers to the NBA draft and how that all kind of uh, coexists and intermingles with you know with each other. But um, we're gonna have a lot of good guests on. First guest is gonna be Dwayne Cooper. He was a second round draft pick by the Lakers in the early '90s. Uh, we're going to bring on Lakers beat reporter for the Southern California News Group, Kyle Goon. Um, and later, we're going to talk NBA draft with Rashad Phillips. I'm sure everyone who listens to this knows Rashad is a guy on Twitter who really uh, really uh, starts some firestorms yeah, with, some with his takes. Yeah, some strong opinions. Yeah, some strong opinions. And usually, a lot of times, they're good opinions, and we're looking forward to talking to him. Um, Ronnie, let's before we bring Dwayne on here in a few minutes, let's let's kind of dive into the late, latest that's going on in Lakerland. Um so much has happened, Ronnie. We I really don't know where to begin. So yeah. let's start. Let's start with yesterday, I guess. Uh, the Lakers the press conference. Yeah, the press supposed conference. Press yeah. conference. It's yeah. supposed to be a big thing, but it Lakers, ended up being like secondary. Yeah, the Lakers were supposed to have a press conference to introduce uh, new head coach Frank Vogel, uh, and that process itself, the coaching hire process, was botched by the Lakers. And we'll go. We'll get into that too later. But uh, Magic Johnson. Went on first take. Of course, as as to any hot take you you need to give, you have to go on first take to give it. Yeah. Magic went on first take with Stephen A. Max, and you know you know that whole crew over there, and essentially just blasted the Lakers. Shit on the Lakers. He shit on them, right? He shit yeah. on them. So but that's your former employer. The you know then that's really the organization that helped you gain your fame, your yeah. riches, your every a lot of things you have in your life. Now actually, Magic came from a, is from a good family. You know, hardworking blue co- blue collar family, but it, it's just like, okay, what are, what are you accomplishing here uh, by doing this? Well, yeah, clearing I mean, his name or making his brand look good, or I mean, I don't think he has to worry about that at his age. No, I, I don't, don't think... understand what he's trying to, you know, accomplish in the bigger picture. I, I don't get think it. either side looked good after yeah. all that. No, because Magic, remember, remember back, you know, what was like a month, month ago, a month and a half ago, yeah. he called that impromptu press conference when he, yeah. when he resigned and all the reporters were like just sitting there with their, their yeah. phones and recorders out. And he just, he just rambled, rambled on for, you know, it was like an hour of yeah. just rambling and he didn't really say anything in the rambling, but you knew there was something behind it that he wanted to say. Yeah. So apparently he felt the need yesterday to say all those things. Yeah. It was Rob Palenka who betrayed him. It was, yeah. he was, he was, you know, saying that he wasn't in the office and wasn't working hard enough. And I mean, it, was that the case? Because if that's the case, then yeah. maybe you should be working hard. Maybe he had a point. Yeah. That, that's what I think on it. Yeah. It's like, were you in the office enough? Yeah. I mean, I look at that, but I think if, if Rob Palenka is smarter and he, I'm sure he's a smart guy, he's a lawyer. Uh, he, he has a lot of experience dealing with high egos, dealing with, you know, guys, he, that kind of thing is he knew magic wasn't going to put in the uh daily grind out grind that yeah. maybe other executives were that's just the nature of the business like everybody knows who magic johnson is and what he's good at what he's there for he's there, there for? to seal the deal, deal sell LeBron. the lakers he was there to seal the deal with lebron now that yeah. might be another thing it might be something where it's like okay magic thanks for helping us get lebron like that's kind of what we need you for like <laughs> we don't kind of like 
Yeah. Let, we're going to operate going forward, um, you know, with not necessarily without you, but thanks for always being the face. And I think did Magic want to be the face and kind of take the heat with his title and then maybe not even making the decisions, you, you know, on his own. It had to be the unilaterally. So there's a lot there. But that's kind of what you signed up for. So, so uh, here, if here, the Lakers were the championship team, would he step down? No, because no, he'd be getting the credit, right? The I think the the biggest the big issue lies in who like what is the power structure? Yeah, who's who does what? Yeah, who's signing off on what? Because we yeah. have Magic Johnson who's in there to kind of be the yeah. face and sell the organization. Makes yeah. sense, yeah. you know. Get the big free agents, you know. Get yeah. meetings with them, talk to them, whatever. Is Rob Palinka the basketball guy? Did he put together that shit team last year? Yeah, with, with no Lance shooting, Stevenson, yeah. Rajon Rondo, no shooting to complement yeah. LeBron's passing ability. Yeah, well, did he put it together? Was it Kurt Rambis? Because yeah. he's all of a sudden coming, like he's coming he, into the picture. Coming into the picture, yeah. his wife Linda Rambis is coming into the picture. I'm not sure what she does. Yeah, Jeannie Buss is supposed to be putting all these people in, in the proper places and have their jobs, you know, play structured. to their strengths, structured, and yeah. what they do and what they bring. But it seems yeah. like. Yeah. To me, it seems like um, there's really not a whole lot of um, proper fitting yeah. in the front office. And let's let's get a little bit into because we're gonna bring Dwayne on here a little bit. What what the background is there? He was drafted by the Lakers in 1992. Everybody knows the big infamous day. Maybe this yesterday was the biggest day since that day, November 7, 1991. Magic announces he has HIV. He doesn't play that season. Dwayne's in college. He's at USC. He has a good season. The Lakers pick him in the second round. And here's a rookie trying to make the, the team. And the team goes about 43-39. They still make the playoffs the year without Magic. They still have some good players. But they're in transition, clearly in transition. So this guy's trying to make the roster. And he's dealing with Sedale 3 and some other veterans. And then Magic is supposedly coming back in that fall of 92 to play for the Lakers again. So this rookie's probably thinking, boy, am I going to even make this team? This Hall of Famer's obviously going to start if he comes back. Yeah. And so C- then Cidale it's like, three was really good. Like, okay, am I starting? Am I not? So I want what well, we want to bring him on for is to get people an idea of what magic is like. Cause I think as young Laker fans, me, he has this such great public persona, but you're seeing in the last couple years that, uh, you know, the way he's operating, people are like, okay, what is this guy really like? And I what think, do you, yeah. yeah. What does he like? Besides he projects the, one thing. Yeah. He projects one thing. Cause his but public, we, his public persona is so high. And so because he won the five championships, he's, he can do almost no wrong. He's in kind LA. of untouchable. He's kind of untouchable, which he's kind of proving now. I don't think other GMs can go on what and do say what he said yesterday on air, and not just get totally blasted. So we want to bring Dwayne on as a Southern California guy, as a guy who's been around Magic, probably even been around Magic before he got drafted by the Lakers, to kind of give us some insight of of uh, you know what he's like, and then we'll continue further the talk of you know um, what you know what we're talking about in terms of. You know, who's at fault in that kind of thing? You know, um, very interesting because Magic eventually did come back after Dwayne left the team. That was four or five years later. And and it's very interesting, uh, his his persona there. And, um, you know, we'll see what we get Dwayne on right now. We're, we're uh, getting him on. But uh, Dwayne played at Lakewood High School for, for uh, Tim Sweeney. And he was a good player. And Tim Sweeney, he was at uh, Lakewood well, Where else did he, well, he, he go? His son, played at, his son was at MLK. MLK. Coach, uh, yeah. Kawhi Leonard. So a uh, very interesting take. He was well-respected coach there. The Moore League was very strong at the time. And, um, you know, we'll see if, if uh, 
if if this comes on, uh, we want to talk to him about that and just kind of talk to him about, um, you know, what 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 he can do. So you know, we're having problems getting Dwayne on right now, but we'll we'll uh, see if we can we can uh, get him going. But let's keep going and talk about this. Um, yeah, so let's move let's move yeah. off of that. Uh, let's move into the the head coaching hire and how that process went. Um, Lakers ended up hire, hiring Frank Vogel. They decided to, um, you know, go with him. I guess not, not personally against uh, you know Ty Lue and and uh, Jason Kidd and Monty Williams, right? So Monty Williams took the Phoenix Suns job. Um, uh, Ty Lue was, you know, kind of. Uh, he said he was unhappy with the three-year contract Lakers offered him because he was a championship level coach and um that but he's kind of a good. LeBron mouthpiece yeah. though yeah that's kind of bad you know you look at Ty Lu, uh you know he kind of was felt insulted so that was a problem because that became public uh Lou you know won a title with LeBron in Cleveland and you know then it says is the it's LeBron running this team that goes back to another issue the Lakers have and then the Lakers were also considering hiring Jason Kidd, but you know they brought decided to bring him on as a prominent assistant role. I don't know what's the difference between an assistant and a prominent assistant, um, and you know that doesn't make sense to me. You know, is he just an assistant? You know, uh, basically set him up to be the next head coach. Next, yeah, if, if, Vogel if things go bad with Vogel, right? But maybe he is Vogel just going to set him up to be the next head coach anyway? Not even if things quote unquote go bad. You know, it's very interesting that whole dynamic. Um, don't mean to cut you off, Ryan, but I think we have Dwayne here. Dwayne, do we have you now? Yes. Great. Th- thanks for taking the time out of your uh, your busy day to, to join us here on In the Paint. Uh, Ronnie, why don't you uh, get the first question going for Dwayne? Yeah, Dwayne, we just want to let people know you played a couple seasons in the NBA and you have great extensive uh, dealings with the Lakers and you probably knew Magic before you even got drafted. So when you were drafted by the Lakers, you know, Magic had just announced one of the most shocking things ever the season before. What was your initial reaction to getting drafted by your hometown team? And then when did you learn that Magic may be coming back in that fall of 1992? In the fall of 92, he, uh, I, we all knew he was coming back. Uh, okay. Um, and it, the crazy thing was he was, with him, we were projected to be in the finals Western Conference Finals without him we were supposed to not make the playoffs. So it was a it was a it was a big impact, obviously, as a for him as a player. But like, you know, we listen, I, I wanted to play with him. I wanted to be I wanted and I was, I ended up being his rookie. So um I dealt a lot with him. Uh, I had a great deal of respect for him and all the things he had accomplished. So yeah, it was a it was for me it was a good time. Got you. As a rookie point guard trying to make a roster, you know, how did Magic's presence? What did Magic's presence mean? And then did did as a comeback distract the team, or was it more like a mentorship, or was it more of a distraction for the veterans and a good thing for you? I think him being there was never a distraction. Got you. Um. Because I know it's going to take a whole squad to win. And he made the squad go. He made he made things better. 
he made things um, easier, um, and he brought more attention to. But the only only thing that could have been different or difficult was he brought more attention to us. You know, like media. So you had to answer questions about that kind of and do that kind of thing. But that's never been an issue for me because I, you know, I went to SC and maybe it's not on the same scale as as magic but like a Harold Miner he had, he attracted a lot of a lot of attention uh gotcha yes yeah, so that was that was our uh, our bell for the kids that was our passing bell so the kids are got about 8 minutes now to come come back to class <laughs> <laughs> yeah so wondering what that was no we got you we know you're a busy man and that's thank you for coming on in your dealings with the lakers Dwayne, how professional was the bus family compared to other organizations you worked for or tried out for because obviously you've been with a couple different organizations you know what was the lakers like and what was the bus family like i think people want to know that because they've seen how magic is interacting with the team now and it, it, it it's just a good point to try to bring out well i think the bus family was awesome um, because it was Dr. Jerry Buss at the time, and he he allowed Jerry West to do basketball stuff. And the hierarchy was there. It was in place. Um, and so, you know, Jerry West ran the day-to-day stuff. He, over, he was the overseer of all basketball stuff. And... You know, he when he said when he wanted to get rid of a coach, he got rid of a coach. When he wanted to, you know, uh, sign free agents, um, you know, Dr. Jerry Buss was a closer, so he would come in at the end of it and, and I think close. So, um, and that's how it was for so long. And I just think that it, it was the first a first class deal from the time he from the time he got there. Dwayne, and now Jerry West is obviously with um, the Clippers, and, and Dr. Buss is no longer with us. Um, do you, I mean, those are two key figureheads from, you know, whether it was the 80s championship teams, the, the solid 90s teams, into the 2000s championship teams with Kobe and Shaq. Do you see that hierarchy kind of, there's, there's, there's not really a clear hierarchy in, in this version of the Los Angeles Lakers that's kind of hurting, um, you know, where the franchise needs to be? I mean, I think that with his passing, I think that with his passing, you have, you had the family trying to figure out who was going to spearhead everything. And, and now that they've got that all kind of situated, um, I I think that things are going to stabilize and I think that, uh, everything will kind of, kind of fall into place. Um, I think, you know, like I'm sure that's leading into what who who they hired. And Vogel, I think, is going to be a great. He's a great addition, especially with with uh, Jason Kidd right there with him. Uh, so you have a coaching staff that LeBron is going to respect. So I, I think that when they win, you won't hear or think or feel like there's any kind of dissension or uh, chaotic episodes going on behind the scenes i think that when they win you won't even ask those you won't have to ask those questions or you won't ask those questions just because winning kind of covers up a whole lot 
Uh, I think that if, if LeBron had won, I mean, LeBron had not gotten hurt, we might not even be having these conversations at this point. That makes sense, Dwayne. Uh, winning does change a lot. And that goes into one of our last questions. Magic obviously had a, a reputation, and he could do a lot of things that other people can't do, as we saw yesterday morning. Was that because of the winning, and is that always going to trump any other professionalism issues? Because Magic's and, and Buss's relationship, it maybe have made, especially when he was younger, made some of the other, the Lakers, uneasy. You know, what, what do you know about that reputation? Was that reputation true? Was that overstated, or did Magic play, in essence, by different rules than the other players? I don't think that Magic played by other rules. I think that most superstars play by different rules. Okay. Just like just like the media when 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 the when a team does well or the, the the star gets all the pub if and and he vice versa if he if they lose he's going to get all the all the all the blame. So, you know, you got to take the good with the bad when you're a superstar. Um and I I hate that for magic, but that that's just the way it is and I think that we all um are going to take some blame for for our actions, right? But the star superstars are going to get more. In Magic's case right now, he get maybe he gets a pass, maybe he doesn't. But I, I think that he was unfairly he's being unfairly judged because, like when he he left, the thing about him being a, a G, uh, the president of basketball operation, like he couldn't be himself. I, I I think that that was a hard deal when a guy like Ben Simmons calls him, he can't be accept his call because it will be considered tampering. Yeah, yeah, I think Matt. He didn't reach out to Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons reached out to him. Right. And like we were talking about before we brought you on, Magic's kind of like the the uh, ambassador for the Lakers, and that's what he does. And he, he a helps. Goodwill ambassador. No, not just for the Lakers, for the, for for the, the league. league. Yeah. For the league. And he wasn't able to do that. Right. All right, Dwayne, we appreciate your time, man. We'll let you get back to molding the minds of our youth as a, as a teacher there. <laughs> and uh, um, we'll have you on again soon, I'm sure, because I'm sure there'll be more Lakers stuff to talk about. All right, thanks, man. Have a good one. Thanks, Dwayne. So, I mean, here's the thing. Dwayne brought up a good point. As soon as the passing of Dr. Bus happened, Jeannie, Jim, Jesse, all the J's, all the Bus J's, it was kind of like an infighting thing on who was going to run the team, who was going to spearhead operations, who was going to be the face um, like Dr. Bus was. Sure. And so far, it really hasn't worked out, right? No, I don't think there's no face. I don't think, I think, especially with all that thing with the trust and the will and who gets the rights to the team, they're fighting in court. I think Jeannie, you know, it came out legally that she is running the team, but I still don't think uh, in the inner circle that that is how everybody thinks you know, is the best way to proceed forward. There's still some, she's still leaning on the Rambuses. She's leaning on other people that, you know, maybe you're not in the day-to-day basketball. You know, she trusts Rambuses wife from my hearing. And I mean, I don't know. That's the, that's the thing. Like there's a lot yeah. of reports about, yeah. uh, you know, Kurt Rambus and his wife and all these other people having, uh, having say so in coaching hires, coaching fires, uh, player roster moves, who they sign, things like that. Trades. It's yeah. like you go back to the, the baffling trade of uh, Ivica Zubats, yeah. the, the promising young 21-year-old center who was playing extremely well before the Lakers shipped him to their crosstown, cross-hall rival, the Clippers. Um, and for nothing, for Mike Muscala, who ended up coming in and doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. Who thought that was a good idea? 
Yeah. That's kind of where Magic is was trying to make that point. I'm not. A yeah. Bit. Yeah. I'm not he sure because like we was. don't know. Like, did Magic yeah. make that move? I mean, well, he said he couldn't fire. He Walton. said he couldn't fire Walton, so maybe he didn't. Yeah. So, but he, here we are talking about it like this. So yeah. imagine what it's like inside the yeah. the organization itself, right? Um, and I think Dwayne made up some good points. I think overall Magic's presence is positive. You know, that's what he was trying to say because it's tough for him. He wanted to play with them. The Lakers were a good team with him. They went to the to the West Finals and lost to Chicago his year last year. And um, you know, he is he's a superstar player that and he's a, I guess it's in essence a superstar uh, you know, type of front office guy, so he's going to get he's going to operate in a certain way and I think that's one of the points Dwayne was trying to make. Um, you know, it can't all be his fault. I, I I personally don't like the way he did it, but again, just because it, you're the Lakers want to move on and get good players and 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 build good rapport with the fans, with the right. players, and it just right but now here's they the don't thing, have it. The yeah. Lakers, with the way they have operated in you know the, the last, the last few years. year, yeah, last few years for sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. Last few years with who they've who they've drafted, who they traded, who they signed, how they're trying to put the team together. Uh, this whole front office debacle, the coaching hire. Uh, uh, debacle also um i mean the fans are soured on them the the yeah. fans are, are soured on on the lakers so you've got to get them back then you the free agents are soured on the lakers right oh yeah they don't know who to trust or who, who do they turn to who like they look at the lakers franchise uh, big time free agents whether it's you know kevin durant opting out of his contract kyrie irving you know also going to be a free agent uh if anthony davis isn't traded and signed with another team the you know not this summer but next summer he'll be a free agent they look at the lakers is that an attractive franchise i don't think so no no not for these guys are too young they're not worried about you know shaq and kobe the showtime time is going on showtime's already 35 years ago and even shaq and kobe's 20 years ago that's that's crazy the guys are 20 years old coming in so they're worried about the best place for them the best fit you know if if a Kawhi Leonard or somebody like that signs with the Clippers, the Lakers are taking a huge blow. Yeah, if yeah, because Kawhi's the perception, a free, yeah. their perception of their franchise uh, that would be it's way bigger than what happened yesterday. Yeah, if Kawhi goes, I'm going to the Clippers. I want to go to the Clippers. Right, they're it. They're for me. Right. So for like, that would be a huge psychological blow to the Lakers fandom, their fan base, everybody. Yeah, everybody yeah. involved with the Lakers would be yeah. just a and in their fans, it would be horrible. Like Paul George already. You know, kind of declined to come to the Lakers last year and resigned with OKC. He's a Palmdale guy. Yeah, not I mean LA County, not necessarily Los yeah. Angeles. He's not. Yeah, but close enough. Kawhi close Leonard enough. from Riverside. You know, Riverside close County. Enough. Close enough. Those are guys that yeah. uh, grew up in the, the golden era, basically the golden era of the Lakers. Yeah, or when they're, uh, you know, when it was the highest, when when it, they were thought of the highest, right? Of course, when their cachet was extremely high. Twenty years ago, I would say about 20- yeah. You know, because what I from what I got, Devin is, um, and this is just my background. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you've been through all this. Yeah, like, you, you, because in the '80s, I loved basketball as a kid, but um, the Lakers were obviously basketball wasn't on everybody's mind like it was in the 2000s. In terms of the sport, wasn't as popular. Uh, the Lakers were popular, and maybe like the Lakers Celtics rival was popular, but not every team in the NBA was popular. Right. We didn't sit there. Hey, let's watch the Kings versus the, you know, the Denver Nuggets. Okay. People didn't really. It might have came on on a holiday or a uh, Veterans Day or a three-day weekend. You know, okay, let's watch Jordan. You know, that's a crazy thing. If the WGN doesn't have the Bulls games every night, nobody would know how great this guy was. So the point I'm trying to make is um, 
the Lakers had a huger fan base in the 2000s. They had way more Latino fans. They had fans that they didn't have in their early 80s. Just because the league was just way more popular because of, you know, Jordan, because of TV. And then you saw these Laker fans with these flags. I mean, in the early 2000s, Lakers fans were everywhere. Much more than they were in the um, Showtime 80s. They just had a bigger fan base. Okay. The Showtime's 80 was more about um, bringing Hollywood into basketball, maybe. You know, uh, prominent people. The, the, they just had a, a huge amount of fans from that 20-year period. They just And now it's the league is... Every team is that popular. Yeah. I mean, everybody with, with, wants to watch every night. Right. With the advent of social media, media you and know, teams having their own networks, yeah. broadcasting on TNT, ESPN, yeah. all these NBA, every night there's a NBA good game. league pass. Yeah. Like people have the opportunity to watch multiple teams and, and, and follow them closely. Right. Follow them closely yeah. and become a fan. Like uh, LA got have, an LA person who doesn't, you know, really, you know, identify with the Lakers and their yeah. history yeah. can be like, yeah, I, I, like I like watching the Thunder. The thunder. I like yeah. watching yeah. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, whatever. And they can subscribe to NBA League Pass and, and watch, watch every, every game. game. Watch every game. Yeah, it wasn't really like that before. You know, you saw the Celtics, Lakers, good teams, the conference finals maybe. That's what kind of was joking the other night on Twitter. Everybody's saying how great these performances are. I'm like, nobody even talked about, oh, Magic had a great first round against Seattle. Like, you just didn't. You didn't see them. You didn't see yeah, it. Right. You heard about it. But you, didn't, you didn't break out every round like you're doing now. Oh my God! Look at this is the best you know second round performance. We're like, huh? You know, like it wasn't talked about now. So now everything's broken down more. Obviously, it's it's a good thing the league is is that much more popular and everything's more scrutinized as as we're seeing. So, um, yeah, my my take. You know, we didn't really divulge in. I wanted to get some background from Dwayne. Uh, like you know, it's it's his mantra. What I got from him is that he doesn't completely blame Magic. I probably put a little bit more on him. Magic for what he did. Now maybe you might have a different view of it. You know. No, I mean, I think, know. I think everyone's to blame. Yeah. Equally, if if you're Magic Johnson yeah. and you, you know, always talk about how much you love the Lakers and love the organization, that's what then I'm you, saying. Then you go on first take on national TV and you shit on them. Yeah. And like make them a more unattractive destination than for they already free are. A- than they already are for free agents yeah. or anybody, coaches, whatever. It, it's it's crazy to me. It's abs- yeah. it's absolute insanity what's going on there, and they ha- here's the thing they don't have a figurehead to be like hey cut this shit out no what is going like and just kind of right the ship like yeah to me they're like a there's rich, no direction to me they're like a rich family that has a bunch of money and a bunch of young uh, family members that don't know what to do with it and they're just spending when one's one's going buying a yacht the others buying a Ferrari the others sounds like the Ball family yeah they're just <laughs> they're just, they're just out and not no structure of what is going to work here you know it's kind of funny but it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's sad it's true i yeah, mean it's yeah. you know well, there's so much we haven't even still talked about yeah I, I we talk about the drama we talk this is drama i mean it's not really basketball but you know there were some good games obviously the golden states in the finals for the fifth consecutive year Ugh. two to one um milwaukee has the home court they're they're leading toronto one at home so that's two to one but also we didn't even get into the lottery you know that was high drama. That was like <laughs> that was high drama. Yeah. That was fun to more fun than the fu- the Western Finals. Yeah, I I I'm still shocked at uh, not necessarily. I'm just surprised that Portland. I mean, they made they just their effort at times was not to the par level. Of, you're gonna need to beat an all time great team in a, in a conference final. That was shocking to me. Uh, not so much they got swept. They're not the you know Golden State's the better team. Just to me, their effort in Game Three and Four at times was bad. I mean, they weren't getting any offensive rebounds. They yeah. were getting right blown right by, and it's just like, whoa, you know, um, you know that that's very interesting. Um, I guess we'll get into the draft choices here in a little while. That was, you know, 
Obviously, we talked about the Lakers. And then the, the trade for AD was another debacle we haven't even got to. The botch trade publicly. And then... We've got to it. We just we, need to rehash it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous, you know, because then it's ironic. Those are the two teams that move up in the lotto. Right. And it's like... And the, the Pelicans got, get the one pick. Yeah, the Pelicans get the one pick. And they were like... So they have all the leverage. They have leverage. They have... They're going to have the rights to draft Zion Williamson. Now they're trying to say, can we keep uh, AD with Zion? And AD's like, ah, I still no, want no, to I want to go. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's they're in the biggest mess as so, the Lakers, right? So that's, yeah, the Lakers are up to the number four spot, right? Yeah. In the in the in, in the, the in the lottery. upcoming NBA draft, yeah. um, they were I think they were they were going to pick around eleven. I think is where their projection was as far as their record went and their odds. Um, but they moved to number four. A lot of drama in that room, and a lot of people would argue that four is just as bad. You're picking it's, eleven. It's stupid. Yeah, You're picking just, eleven because it, after three. It's a three. Uh, it's you a know, we'll talk, draft. we'll talk about this a little bit more Rashad yeah. later, but yeah. it's a, it seems like it's a three-player draft yeah. with Zion, John Morant, and R.J. Barrett. And then so at number that, four, who are you going to pick? Jarrett Culver, Darius Garland. He didn't. Darius Garland didn't, he didn't play, play all year. College. Yeah. He didn't play college basketball. So I know. know. I mean, we know about Darius yeah. Garland. I know about Darius. He's good. I've seen more. I know I've seen Darius Garland more than anybody for the Lakers organization. For sure. There's no doubt about that. And, they're gonna, and here's the thing: they're <laughs> they going to go pick Darius Garland. <laughs> they might, and they, they never, might have to. They're never going to see them because they don't have any basketball people in the organization right now. No, there's nobody in the there was nobody in the Lakers right now that was watching his high school games or EYBL, you know. And obviously, they didn't see him much in college. So that's just yeah. Picking four is a big difference than picking three. I mean, it was it was yeah, drama. It was it's fun. A, it's a it's a so crapshoot. It went from picking picking four instead of three or two or one went from yeah. uh, probably a, a legit impact player from day one to yeah. a. We could screw a this question up. Mark. We, we could, could really screw this shit up. <laughs> so here's here's Lakers fans, Lakers yeah. front office people. If you're listening to the Balls Life in the Paint podcast, here's what I suggest: hire me. I'll work for relatively cheap, maybe 80k a year. 80k. That's pretty good, right? I mean, I'm easy. I just want to be involved in basketball. I, I watch a lot of basketball. I watch a lot of high school. I watch a lot of college. Tons actually. Um, let's package that fourth pick with some young pieces. Let's make a play for some veterans, some shooting. If you can get AD, great, but I don't think the Pelicans are fucking with us anymore. No. I think the Lakers kind of blew that. Yeah, if if we can make a play for a veteran shooting, you know, maybe like a Bradley Beal and a couple other pieces, some toughness, let's some make toughness. it happen. Let's make, yeah. you know, some defensive guys. Let's make it happen. I'll put the calls in. I'll make it happen. It's Ronnie, funny. what do you think about that that option? Uh, I like that option. Uh, I think you should negotiate for higher than 80K. But no, uh, hey, no, point, hey, I'm, I'm easy. I, yeah. I will start at 80K once I prove myself and move up the ladder and we get these things done, we win titles, then I'll move into the millions. But if you hit that fourth pick, you deserve more than 80K because they can really, like to your point, they can really screw that up. Because I think at the 11th pick, the 9th pick, the 10th pick, if the Lakers don't get that impact, they're going to say, okay, you know, that happens. But the Lakers fans don't know the difference. You get the pick, fourth pick, they're expecting, you know, a player that's giving them good impact. So it's very interesting there. I'm not sure that that really helped the Lakers all that much, except for the leverage and having the pick. They have the pick. It so doesn't help them win so games necessarily first day uh, training camp in October. Right. I just don't think so. You don't know what you're getting right now. Right. And I think we have Southern California News Group, Lakers beat writer Kyle Goon on the line. Kyle, are you have do we have you here? Yeah, how you guys doing? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm sure it's been a a long year for you covering this this Laker team. Yeah, it's um, you know, Godfather three. It's just <laughs> just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. It's it's that kind of thing. Love uh, it. You know, every week essentially. Yeah. So um, this week has been Magic Johnson going on first take. 
basically blasting not only Rob Palinka but kind of the entire you know hierarchy structure, structure of the Lakers organization right now. Um, I mean, and it was on the same day that they were int- introduced their new head coach Frank Vogel, which is all the more hilarious to me. Uh, what are your overall takes from what happened, what went down yesterday, and how kind of you know Rob Palinka kind of played it off the way he did? Yeah, I mean, I think it was very damaging. I think it was a, a very damaging day for the Lakers. I think it was embarrassing. Um, you know, it it's supposed to be um, uh, triumphant might be too strong a word, um, but it's supposed to be a, a happy day for the Lakers. I mean, they found they found a head coach, and even through all those labors, they they have somebody who you know has a, at least a, a strong track record in Indiana, and they're supposed to kind of introduce that new era. And instead, Rob Plinka has to answer questions about why the previous president thinks he's a backstabber. Um, I mean, it, it was just very awkward. Um, it's uncomfortable for Rob, obviously. Um, it's uncomfortable for Frank Vogel, who played no role in right. the last front office. Um, it's uncomfortable for Jeannie, who um, you know has a lot of trust uh, in in Magic and and has decided to let Rob be the leader of basketball operations going forward, essentially. So, um, you know, it's, it's not just that magic put Rob on, on blast. Obviously he did, but, um, that really rippled out to a pool of people that I'm not sure that magic really intended to, to harm or kind of make look bad. It, It was just a very, um, it was, it was very interesting timing, uh, of that interview and it was very interesting that he did that um, in such a way that the Lakers would kind of have to deal with him even though he quit. Right, right. And, and even in the way he quit was interesting in itself. Um, w- when that went down, where were you um, and what were your thoughts when Magic kind of called that impromptu press conference and decided to just kind of ramble on and why he, he was going to step down? Oh, yeah, I was I was five feet away. Okay. It, was, <laughs> it was really... <laughs> Um, yeah, it was just one of the most surreal things you can imagine. And, um, you know, there was a lot of sort of initial head scratching and, uh, because it wasn't initially clear that magic was calling an audible. Like, uh, uh, we weren't sure that magic was going to talk. And then he, he told the, the press contact, okay, yeah, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to talk. And everyone had just finished talking to Luke Walton, who we all assumed was going to be fired. And, there was sort of a moment where, you know, his Bill Walton and his mom were there and, and they were sort of having a moment and, and hugged and Luke went in the locker room and, um, you know, we kind of thought, okay, this might be our our last pregame experience with Luke ever. And then magic's like, all right, I'm going to (laughs) talk. And uh, today I'm going to step down. And then as he talked more and more, it's like, Oh, you haven't told Jeannie. Oh, you haven't told anyone. <laughs> oh, this is really like coming from the heart, essentially. Like, I mean, he, he had a plan, but it's just, it, it was very emotionally based. It was very, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm, this seems like the right thing to do, so I'm just going to do it and, and not really warn anybody. And, and it's kind of what he did yesterday as well. I mean, I guess there was some, um, advertising about him going to be on first take but i, I don't know if if you're genie bus or anyone else in, down on the lakers organization if you kind of imagine magic would 
kind of come back on the franchise in that way. And, and I think it's also weird. It's just, it like, let's say that magic is, is justified in, in feeling upset and, and Rob did undercut him at the end of the day, like magic was Rob's boss and, and it wasn't like he was fired. It, he quit. He left. And it's just, it's just kind of interesting that magic after tweeted that, Oh, I'm glad I got to tell my truth. And, and really painted himself in a more vulnerable role than he probably really had. I mean, he probably, like, it, it's one thing if you want to say, I got tired of it, and there's there's too much red tape and all that. It's another to kind of be like, oh, I was I was victimized, even though I was everyone I'm talking <laughs> I about, victim. I was their boss. Yeah. Right, right. He, yeah, he, I mean, he has Carte Blanche, really, in many respects in the Lakers. He's always going to be associated with the Lakers, and it's going to take a really lot for him to get fired by Genie. Um, right. so he did correct. So I don't see, you're right. He's the, the victim role is very, very interesting, like to say the least. And, uh, yeah, you're right. It doesn't make him look good. It doesn't make the Lakers look good. And Frank Vogel's like, okay, yeah. let's talk basketball. Right now. Let's, let's talk basketball <laughs> because this drama stuff, we've been talking about this for yeah. way too long. Um, last year's team, the way it was put together, um, LeBron, obviously, you know, one of the best players in the world. Okay. We get it. He's unquestioned, you know, top three guy in the world, but you bring in, you know, Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, uh, you trade Zubak, you have a bunch of, you know, young guys, Kuzma, great scorer, uh, Ingram, kind of a ball dominant guy. Lonzo can't shoot, always gets hurt. There wasn't an, like the team was not put together well. Um, but who is responsible for that? Do we even know? Uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> No, it's funny. It's like one of the things that almost got overshadowed in that was Magic kind of claimed responsibility for that yesterday. <laughs> right, here we go, exactly. As, as weird as that is, like uh, Magic kind of said, oh, well, you know, not having enough shooting, that was on me, and, you know, we shouldn't let Brooke Lopez walk, and here's why we had to let Julius Randle walk, because he couldn't play with LeBron, and, and here's why we had to trade Zubak, because he was... He, 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 you know, was a better player because of Lonzo and LeBron, and and here, you know, and we had to trade D'Angelo because of um, he called Nick Young Shaggy P. Shaggy P. Um, Good old Shaggy P. So, so I, I just it was, yeah. So Magic kind of did claim credit for that, and and later on Rob kind of allowed him to claim credit for that. Where <laughs> I'm sure Rob did was was the president of, of basketball operations. So all, all the ultimate decisions fell to him. And that was probably the shadiest thing Rob said about magic um, yesterday where he said, yeah, well, yeah, the, he was asked directly about Julius Randall and Brooke Lopez. And he said, well, ultimately that was, that was magic's uh, magic's in charge of basketball decisions at that time. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, and I think based on what you heard from Frank Vogel yesterday, I think the team is going to have very different priorities than what they had last summer, and and they're going to aim for shooters. I mean, Frank Vogel wants to be an outside-in offense. He claims that you know he's he's changed uh, since he was in Orlando. Tried to develop more shooting in Orlando, more shooting-oriented offense, um, and and then you know on a sabbatical year studied the teams that were successful. So I don't think he's going to go. 100% Rockets, 100% Budenholzer, uh, 100% uh, Warriors, but I, I think he's more on that 
on that side of the spectrum than it used to be. And, and that's what the Lakers are really going to target this summer. Gotcha. And speaking of Vogel, um, he wasn't the first choice uh, of head coach. Um, Ty Lue was kind of uh, the front runner, you know, according to media reports. I'm not sure if that's that's 100% accurate. Monty Williams. Uh, it was. Yeah. It was true. Yeah. Okay. Monty Williams was the second choice, and he opted for the Suns job. So here we are with Frank Vogel and Jason Kidd in a quote-unquote prominent assistant role. How do you see that um, dynamic shaping out with, with Vogel and Jason Kidd? Um, I mean, it's, it's weird. There, there's kind of no <laughs> way around yeah, it. Exactly. And I think, um, I think Frank has put the best fit possible face on it where he said, well, you know, before anyone's on my staff, I want to interview him. And it was very clear that the Lakers wanted him to, to hire a kid. He kind of said, well, I, I talked to him and I made sure that we would see eye to eye. And I think he's going to be great. And, and you can't really worry about, who your successor is going to be. You just have to worry about hiring good assistants. And, and that's what I'm most worried about. And I think he'll be a good assistant. And, and it's like, okay, like that all may be true, but it, it's also true that Jason Kidd has never been an assistant before mm-hmm. that Jason Kidd has a history of kind of feuding with leadership. Um, when he doesn't really see eye to eye, got Byron Scott fired in, in New Jersey he played for the Nets and, um, you know, got had a spat with Lawrence Frank when they worked together with the Nets and then left Brooklyn when he kind of tried to take over basketball operations and failed. And they kind of allowed him to go to Milwaukee and trade him away. So it's it's just, <laughs> I mean. We can sense the frustration in your voice right now. Or the, well, or the, or the just, questions. They, it, it, it's just an awkward position again, to ask Frank Vogel to kind of make the best of it. I mean, he's, he's game. I mean, this is what he signed up for. Like he knew when he took this job that, that he had to take kid on it, but it's just very awkward to kind of try and dance around that. And, and that history, everybody knows that history. Um, and, you know, either Jason Kidd has changed a lot in the last year and a half and, and learned a lot and, and kind of thought about, um, you know, what didn't make him successful as an NBA head coach and is ready to kind of play the game a little more, or he is who he's always been. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just, it's very, it's a very uncomfortable dynamic. I mean, and the Lakers, if they want to like kind of emphasize this, this head coach is our guy, he's going to bring us back. Then, give him security like it's just like the length of contract and having a potential replacement on staff just doesn't look like a very secure place for Frank Vogel who's supposed to be the guy to bring this team back to winning right and and Frank is a good coach you know by all estimations he eight years of NBA experience um he's got an above 500 record which is great two conference finals appearances in the east um but again like you said he's he's on already on shaky ground and he has, he's really hasn't even put uh, a day of actual coaching into the books. But um, as far as the team goes, uh, what's the vibe from them on this coaching hire? What, what are their thoughts? What are you hearing from them? Uh, I mean, LeBron was there yesterday. I mean, that's a, it's a big sign. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it's just, and again, it's, it's, it's an uncomfortable position for LeBron too, because um, you know, his, his guy was in the bag. I mean, Ty Lue was 
all but there. Even Frank Vogel yesterday talked about, well, I was excited when Ty, uh, Ty and I were talking about me being on his staff with the Lakers. Yeah, and, that's awkward. And then that didn't come together. And and so I think it's just like if you had hired, if you had done a search, including Frank Vogel from the start, and then determined Frank Vogel is our best guy, it, it would just have this different feel. Um, and the fact that we're we're talking about oh well Ty Lu was was the coach and then he wasn't like that's a that's an uncomfortable situation for LeBron too where it's like okay like I, I had somebody who I won a championship with who I have history with who I respect who who has coached me before and now he's kind of got to navigate that new relationship but I think LeBron understands his influence enough to to show up and, and to be there for the introductory press conference to see kind of that his future is tied to this franchise and, and to try to make the best of it. And, um, you know, I think that was important. Josh Hart and Mo Wagner were there. I think, but I think it's just, I think it's not, it's not a reflection of Frank. I think it's a reflection of what happened in the hiring search that where Frank just has some work to do and he's got to, climb a little more uphill than he might have if he had just been the guy from the start. Yeah, and I think that work starts with that number four pick. Um, the Lakers kind of lucked out, I guess, in a sense with you know moving up from a projected 11 pick to the number four pick, even though this is kind of a three-player draft with Zion, John Morant, and, and R.J. Barrett at the top. Um, I mean, if I put myself in the GM shoes and I say you package that pick with a couple young guys and get some veteran you know, talent shooters and try and, you know, upgrade your squad that, that way, rather than take a chance on a, on a four pick. Um, what do you, is there any sense of which way the Lakers are leaning on going on this right now? Um, you know, I, they aren't really talking about, I mean, they're evaluating there. They're going to do some workouts. I'm sure they'll bring in some of the top guys. Um, I, I just, from a, context standpoint from from where i'm standing i just don't really see um you know the the value for them in this particular draft of of using that number four pick and being like yeah we we're gonna bring in another rookie to what we're trying to do next year i mean it's for one thing i mean they're already pretty young with who they have back on contract i mean Brandon Ingram is going to be in his fourth year. Lonzo, Kyle, Josh in their third. Um, and and then you basically have LeBron. Um, and then you have to kind of fill out the rest of the roster from there. So it's if you use one of your top assets to bring in a young guy, um, it's really kind of a, a bet that that guy's going to be ready to play right away, that it's going to be a Shea Gilgis, Alexander type pick. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they'll evaluate. I think for what the Lakers have to do, they have to get back to the playoffs next year. They just, they just have to. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, otherwise, you know, that might be the end of this front office. If they don't, if they don't get back to the playoffs with LeBron in year two. Um, and that might, you know, harm their relationship. I mean, it not might, it would, um, it, it harm their relationship with LeBron to a degree that's just, I don't, I don't think we want to see. So, um, you know, I, I think based on that, if you can figure out a way to use the number four pick in a trade and, and package 
a more experienced player to come to your franchise to help those playoff aspirations, then I think the Lakers really have to look seriously at doing that. Now, can they get good value for the number four pick in this particular draft? I don't know. I mean, I think it might have to include another player. Um, But, you know, I I think that's got to be their number one option right now unless they evaluate the draft and say okay this we, we're going to draft Jared Culver or DeAndre Hunter and and he's going to help us right away he's going to be able to to have a role right away yeah. so it might be it might be a little tricky to, to find that guy yeah uh Kyle uh what do you think is the ceiling for this team next year based on all this you know front office turmoil the coaching the roster and what is the worst case scenario that would happen uh give me both of your scenarios you think if everybody's healthy, you know, everybody's playing up to par, what are the two, what are, what's the ceiling and what's the bottom? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think they can get in the playoffs. Like it, it, it just, I think what they need to do is just kind of commit to their style. Um, and, and, you know, Frank Vogel has, um, you know, I think some, some at least strong ideas about identity. And I think if you look back to his Indiana days, um, he has strong ideas about um, kind of creating a team that, that plays hard. And, and that's how those Indiana teams could grind out wins. Um, so, I, I mean, I definitely think they can go to the playoffs next year. And LeBron's still playing at a pretty high level. And, um, you know, I mean, even elite level. Um, it, it, it's really a question of can he stay healthy if he's not, if, if he has to miss some games? Um, you know, do they have the core to kind of, get through that and, and muscle out some wins despite LeBron's absence. Um, you know, I kind of wonder if that second year is going to be easier for, for some of these younger guys to play with LeBron after all the drama last season. So, um, you know, it's just, is I think they can definitely go to the playoffs again. I don't, depending on, you know, how things shake out this summer, with Kevin Durant, with with Kawhi, and, and some of the other top free agents, I don't know that they can be a top four. I mean, I think they, I think they have to get one of those guys. Um, they have to get, you know, a, a Kyrie Irving type, and, and who knows if he even wants to come play with LeBron again. But I, I think they have to get somebody like that to be sort of in that top four range in the Western Conference. I mean, so so many things have yet to unfold. Um, but you know, if, if they don't get that second star and if LeBron does kind of suffer some injuries again, I mean, and he's going to turn 35 in December, mm-hmm. then, you know, that they could really risk missing the playoffs again because the West is just so damn strong. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's kind of interesting. You said that we were just talking about Kawhi Leonard and, you know, if he comes to LA, but opts to play for the Clippers, how big of a hit that would be uh, for the Lakers. Um, if that does happen, what do you envision kind of the, the vibe being around the, uh, the Lakers organization if Kawhi decides to come West and instead opts for the Clippers? I mean, I don't, like, I don't think that would be a terrible surprise. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> there's no, there's virtually no buzz of Kawhi to the Lakers. Right. Um, and, and Kawhi to the Clippers, like, who knows whether the Clippers are, I, I don't, I don't think anyone really knows what Kawhi wants to do except Kawhi. There's just speculation that that could be his move. Um, but it's, you know, I, I think it would just, 
put a lot of heat on these guys. And, and there's already been a lot of heat because the Clippers went to the playoffs with a team that, you know, on, on paper just didn't really ring like one of the, the better teams in the West. Mm-hmm. And and they did it after trading Tobias Harris. And, and they have strong leadership that gets along. And, and just signed Jerry West, who was the architect of some great Lakers teams, to another year as an advisor. Um, so all of those things contribute to kind of creating this contrast with the Lakers who don't have that stability or watching one of their legends kind of direct the, the, the franchise across the street to some better days. And it's just, it's just a, I don't know. It's just a bad look. It's, it, that, that's, that's what it's been. That's what it would continue to be. I mean, I don't, I don't think the Clippers are going to strike out. Like I don't, I don't think they're going to completely whiff on a free agent. I think they can find one that they can keep. Um, I don't know whether it will be Kawhi or whether it will be more of like the Jimmy Butler class, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're going to whiff. And I, don't, I think it will create a lot of pressure on the Lakers to kind of prove that with their superstar, that they can actually do some things and, and deliver just that baseline expectation of getting back to the playoffs. Kyle Goon, man, we are hoping that you get a breather here um, at some point and are able to kind of gather your thoughts and and have a break. But we appreciate you taking the time to come on with us this morning. Um, Kyle Goon, Southern California News Group, Lakers beat writer. Uh, we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good Thank one, Thank you, man. Kyle. So that was a lot of good stuff, Ronnie, from a guy who's yeah. there, been there for the last couple of years. Uh, every day in, in the day by day process. Like he said, he was five feet away when magic Johnson decided like, Hey man, I'm, I'm out. out. <laughs> <laughs> magic is, Oh boy. You know, uh, that is tough. Um, but he makes a good point. And I just, another point we're bringing though, seems like this whole thing is under more pressure from having these young guys. And why I think is the bigger underlying factor is, is Steph Curry. And that team has totally, Change the landscape of the end of LeBron's career. Like, this guy may not be able to get back to the championship again because that team is just dominating. Right. I mean, you know, it's it's shortened his his window, whether he knows it or not. And it, and it shows the, the pressure's all around. Especially by coming out west and having yeah. to compete against them, yeah. not only in your in your, your conference, conference, but yeah. in your to try to get in there. your division. Yeah. Too. Yeah. He's he's far from to, that. To get to the so he went to eight straight finals in the East Coast with Cleveland and Miami. Yeah. Um now you come out west, you have a Golden State team that's been to five straight finals. And don't and it's a dynasty. I mean, they did certified it, dynasty. Yeah, they did yeah. it without Kevin Durant. They yeah. swept the Trailblazers in the Western Conference Finals. Um, and Monday, Monday other, night without Kevin Durant. And they had some other little injuries. They've had some. I think Iguodala had, didn't play last night. Yeah, think about and that. And they didn't play very good. No. And they just okay, we'll hit some shots now, and they're that good right now. Yeah. So I think that kind of puts pressure on the whole organization, as he said, in very similar to if the Clippers hit on somebody it may not be Kawhi, but that's going to make the lakers look bad the fact that lebron's turning 35 which people forget that's kind of his window is just slowly creeping down and it's creeping down anyway but it's also creeping down because they're far from golden state yeah playing at that very level. far even if golden state everyone loses, is even if golden state loses clay thompson the lakers are still very far, far away they can get clay thompson they're not not as good as golden state right now so yeah, everybody's very far away. They didn't even play that good against Portland and still swept them. Still swept, swept them with, with yeah. I mean, like last night, yeah. I mean, excuse me, Monday night was was yeah. kind of the, the most difficult of the three games. Yeah. 
but you know they take advantage of other people's mistakes so well yeah. you know what i mean and that's how they they're down 11 it doesn't even yeah, seem doesn't, like the, yeah it's not nothing, nothing their confidence is just sky high sky high and then you gotta and the uh, role players hit they yeah, do what they Draymond do green let's get in let's get it let's talk before we bring on rashad and talk nba draft let's talk about the the nba playoffs and kind of the western and eastern conference finals where we're at right now sure draymond green was just an absolute monster in that series the last two days well you know you're in trouble when draymond green is dribbling faster than you're running <laughs> And that's what happened the last couple of games. He's got he's more energy. Running by, guys. I mean, I, I made the point on Twitter, and, I, and it's nothing against him personally. Why is Portland playing Evan Turner? He's just Wait, out of shape. And did you, just who would you say he looked like? You said <laughs> something on Twitter. Who did he look like? He looked like Danny Fortson out there, which is <laughs> a power forward. And Danny Fortson was a monster. Yeah, I mean, this Evan Turner, again, he might have had some injuries, so, you know, apologies to him. But if he's not ready to play and he can't guard these guys, what is he out there for? I, I, I don't understand why he's getting so many minutes and he made one good play yesterday he hit like a 13 footer in the key but turned the ball over three times the other night he was worried about Steph Curry blocking his shot from behind and then he ended up getting blocked anyway because he wasn't you know he physically maybe he felt he couldn't get up on the rim right he was looking behind at Steph Curry like oh man this guy's gonna block me then I think Clay Thompson just came and just swatted it away like if he was Jordan or something from behind it was very odd like you're in the conference finals and you have a player that's not physically ready I found that very interesting. Obviously, there was some injury there with with um, Dame Lillard. You know, he wasn't moving too good in Game 3. Played a little bit get better in Game 4. But it seemed to bring the whole energy down of the whole team. They just didn't have very... I mean, they made Jermon Green look like one of the best all-round forwards ever. I mean, now people are saying he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, you know, like the first pair of teammates in the playoffs to have a, a, a triple-double. Yeah. You know, last yeah. night, it just... They were beating them to every. Kevon Looney was beating them to every single offensive rebound. Even when Quinn Cook got in there, he was hitting shots, taking his guy off the dribble. You look I mean, at that team, man, and they have their guys that are ready. Guys have established roles and they're ready to come out and play. Yeah, yeah, and that's a big those, that's kind of the key to deep playoff runs. You look at the Lakers when they made their deep playoff runs in the in the two thousands. Yeah, Robert Fox. Ory, Rick Fox, yeah. Rick Fox, they did what they're supposed to. Yeah, they did what they're supposed to do. Robert yeah. Ory hit big time shots and was a, yeah. a a solid rebounder, solid defender. Rick Fox was you know a great on ball defender, made open shots when he needed to. Derek Fisher, Derek Fisher ran the show. Did you know, what he was supposed get to. all got off the ball, all that good stuff. Um, let's move over to the Eastern Conference. Uh, Milwaukee leading Toronto two to one. Yeah, a uh, little more competitive. A little more competitive. Better. Um, Milwaukee seems like Portland in the terms of, to me, they don't really know how to win in close games, but they're very good. They're better than Portland. They're longer. They're just a little bit better. But Portland doesn't know how to how to close games out. Didn't seem like they. You always thought Golden State was going to win regardless. And with a little bit, Milwaukee's a better team. Yeah. So they're more talented, but they. I'm not sure they know how to win either. Seems like Toronto is. Not as good as Milwaukee, and they don't have the home court, but they have that edge. They have that guy. They have they that have edge. The one guy, guy like, that I, can carry them. Yeah, yeah, I like Giannis. Yeah, I think he's. Yeah, I think he's one of the most dominant forces in the league. But him and Kawhi Leonard on a basketball level, yeah. in my opinion, are on, are on different levels. I think Kawhi yeah. Leonard is kind of that guy who you can count on, count on late yeah. in games to make a play. To make a big time play, big or time shot. shot, big time defensive play, and that uplifts the other guys, right? Because uh, one through five, their team's not no, that Danny talented. Green, like their team's not that Danny talented. Green can dribble like twice, and yeah. then he's in no man's land, and picks yeah. it up, and has to get rid of it. Um, Kyle Lowry's not playing; well, hasn't been playing well in the playoffs. No, in the playoffs, no, he's he not, doesn't look explosive and good. No, he doesn't look like himself. Yeah, um, 
you know, so, so you you just trust Toronto a little more because they're older, maybe a little more experienced. And Kawhi, Kawhi has championship experience, yeah. obviously. He, he's been here before. And that's where you say Milwaukee, they're good, they're long, they defend, they have some good role I mean, players. Yeah. But Giannis hasn't been there. He, he you know, I'm he has some holes. Down, as far breaking as, down his game, he's always going right. Always going he's right. He's going to spin yeah. back right. Yeah. But he's so good. Struggles to shoot from the free throw line, struggles yeah. to shoot from outside. So, I mean, there's ways you can kind of. Yeah. Gauge your, you know, organize your defense against against Giannis in transition. Not a chance. When he gets downhill, there's no stopping him. Six no, ten. You're gonna, you're gonna foul two, him. Two fifty, two sixty, whatever he is. I mean, yeah, you're gonna foul him. He's gonna get the free throw line. But here's my thing: if if Giannis is coming at me full bore, like, I'm not letting him get his his arms above his shoulders. He's going to the free throw line. He's got to make free throws because he's not yeah. a great free throw shooter. Yeah, I guess that's how you beat Milwaukee. Or or here's another thing. You kind of sag off on him and on the screen rolls go under and make him make him kick to Brooke Lopez for a three. <laughs> and Brooke's I mean, hitting though. Brooke is hitting the threes, yeah. but I'm gonna live. He's tipping in balls. He's getting offensive rebounds. He's playing pretty good. But I'm gonna live by, I'm Brooke. gonna live by a Brooke Lopez three rather than a Giannis drive. Yeah. And what did you think? Like the execution of games, you know, um, you know, Giannis fouled out and uh, Kawhi hit a big uh, pull up jumper from like 14, 15 feet. What did you think? Going back to the West, what did you think down to about Dame Lillard shot? That shot last night? Yeah, you know, it, it, I was I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised. Man, yeah. that's a shot you want, or yeah. that's a shot you're gonna end up. I was with? over at UC Irvine for our open runs on Mondays. We do, yeah. and we were watching on on, on an iPad, yeah. and we had a bunch of people huddled around, and uh, you know, we kind of called that it was going to be CJ through first, yeah, um, and then Myers Leonard was going to set a butt screen on Lillard's guy free him up for a shot, right? But here's here's what happened. If you go back and watch that in slow motion, Myers Leonard never made contact on the screen with Damian Lillard, who, who was guarding Damian Lillard. Got it. Never made contact. So Lillard had felt, I forget who was guarding him. Maybe Clay? Maybe. Maybe Clay? I think Switch. I think it was. Yeah. Um, had felt the trail. So he felt like, damn, I got to get this. Uh, I got this guy on my, on my hip. Yeah, I need yeah. to get it up as fast as possible because I got 3.3 seconds left. Yeah. Um. Do I like the fading corner out of bounds three pointer? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, but I think the right guy took the shot. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was either him or CJ. And Lillard's hit some big shots so far yeah. this this playoff series. Uh the, throughout the entire playoffs. He's he's hit big shots and he's done it through throughout his career. Um so I, I didn't really like the whole setup. The way it, but if Myers Leonard Made that screen and Dame Lillard felt, you know, and he had some space up, and he had squared he up. He had time to catch, square up, yeah, be on balance and shoot that thing. Maybe we have a different outcome. You yeah. got to set that screen. You got to get everything has to execute properly. That makes sense. Uh, you know, again, to me, that was just delayed. They were going to win game five or six. It, it, you're just delaying what's going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, maybe yeah, let's go for the win here. Try to get some momentum. We'd be down three one. Try to get another one. But yeah, if you want to overtime and. You know, it's gonna take a miracle for for Portland to win that series. So I get it. Yeah, know, it's gonna like, take it for sure. Gonna take a miracle. Yeah. Um, Ronnie, let's move now into the 2019 NBA draft, which will be in June. Um, we're gonna we have a little bit about the drama there. Yeah, we're gonna have bit. we're gonna have Rashad on in, in, in a couple minutes here. Um, he's always got some really good good takes on kind of some under yeah. the radar players. The, first, but, yeah. the first thing I want to get your take on is what did you think when all that drama unfolded? Lakers moved up. New Orleans moved up. Obviously, those two teams were talking during the season and before the trade deadline. And then when New Orleans got the number one pick, your that Zion reaction, he left the room real fast. What, what was your reaction there? Here, okay. 
What do you think there? So, it was kind of funny, kind of high drama. It was high drama, and I think the the league accomplished what it wanted to do with build that interest. setup. Yeah, build interest. Build around interest the, around the rookies, upcoming rookies, upcoming draft. Yeah, with, with the draft, with you know the the current rookie class, especially with the guy who's as media dominant as Zion Williamson is, and and even John Morant's, you know, had Has some a big following, yeah, big time following. Uh, fast it's grew fast yeah i mean he he exploded this year at at murray state he was obviously a a good player prior to that correct you know prior to this year he was putting up numbers yeah but this season he was kind of on that center stage um but again you know they 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 had you know zion doing interviews and the thing about zion is a lot of these kids these days especially the higher you know um ranked or you know more covered high school slash college players are very polished with the media. I think yeah, like RJ been... Barrett, when he's interviewed, he's very polished. Zion's like a, like a kid. Yeah. You know, he's like always, kid, yeah. he's still a kid. And you dealt with Zion yeah. in one of his games, his senior yeah. year in high school. Yeah. What kind of vibe did you get from him? Um, I thought, you know, he was taking it all in. He's from a small town where his high school coach was actually the sheriff of the town. Wait, really? <laughs> That's very interesting. <laughs> That's awesome. You're great guys. Um, it just happened really fast. I, you know, I'm not even sure the school, meaning Spartanburg Country Day, realized how big this was going to hit, and it did. You know, they had maybe the most viral player of our generation, this generation. Yeah, and it, it, you know, he, I think he he dealt with it pretty well. Obviously, we had Ball His Life had streamed the game at Adidas in Vegas at Cashman against which, uh, Mello, Mello, which is probably and, yeah. the, the biggest grassroots most anticipated grassroots game. LeBron was like, they got shut out, he couldn't get in. You know, it was just like. You know, it was it's terrific. It was a terrific time. It happened so fast, though. I'm not, and then this year, so he, I think he handled it better. I think he was ready for what Duke brought, especially after that first game when he looked so good. Yeah, remember at the tip off, were they playing Kansas? Were they playing? Uh, they were playing. It was a high the, level uh, Kansas, player. Michigan State. One of those yeah. two. It was, it was. They looked so good that day. Everybody was like, "Oh my god!" But I always told everybody, "Slow down. You guys are anointing this team the best college team ever." They had some holes. I think. That's what we we got to maybe talk a little bit what we're shot about and talk a little bit in general. Like, why did that Duke team have the holes they did? And I could see them coming. Like, they couldn't shoot. They couldn't, you know, their spacing that time was bad. They, they you know, again, it's a young college team, so I, I get it. But still, some of the chinks in the armor were showing all season, but nobody wanted to talk about because everybody's watching the Sports Center top 10 plays. Oh, my yeah. God, this guy's, look at the dunks he's throwing down, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. Uh, I wasn't too enthralled by that, you know. I I already seen it in his in the grassroots in high school, you know. Uh, I personally think that he's still dominating a, a a level of ball where there's guys that simply couldn't stop him. Is just that much better? Yeah. I think in the NBA it's going to show more uh, his what, holes. He, what he can do. Yeah, you know what he or what he can't do because everybody goes. Everybody thought. You know what? He's not going to be as good as Duke as people think because he's just dunking on little kids. Yeah. Well, to me, he was doing the same thing at Duke in many games, just physically dominating guys. Yeah, I hear you. Like no one's no one was able to deal with his you know frame, whatever. No. You know, there's a lot of heights and weights and whatever he is, whether it's six eight two eighty or six six two eighty, whatever. Yeah. That's a that's a monstrosity of a human being. Yeah, he's a and, big guy. He's athletic, coordinated, but he's not tall. You know, he's not going to always be able to get out on the break and dunk. You know, what's he going to do around? Guys in the NBA playoffs, let's just say down the line, you know, is he going to just be able to jump and dunk over them? I, I don't know. People have various opinions. You know, I know, um, like our guy Frank thinks he's going to be a great NBA player. Other guys think, well, he's got to work on this, got to work on that. So, you know, I, I don't think this year Duke gave us a great gauge, to tell you the truth, other than he's 
spectacularly dominant and and big and strong and quick. With yeah, Ryan. With that being said, I believe we have Rashad Phillips on the line, NBA draft guru, prospect evaluator from Sports Talk twenty three nineteen. Rashad, do we have you? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. There he is, the man himself. We are <laughs> we are looking forward to some hot takes uh, on this podcast today. So we were just talking uh, twenty nineteen NBA draft, kind of previewing. Yeah. You know, a lot of people believe it's a, a top three heavy draft with Zion, Ja, and R.J. Barrett. Um, of those three guys, Rashad, who's going to be the most impactful guy at the NBA level? Man, that, that's that's a that's a great question. Um, I, I really like what John Moran brings to the table. Um, just because with the with the NBA is such a point guard driven league, they touch the ball every play. Yep. Uh, when you look at guys like Zion, obviously he's going to be impactful, and um, RJ Barrett, but they play without the ball, so a lot of their success is predicated on somebody else getting them the ball. Where a guy like John Morant. He gets to control the ball. That makes sense, man. And uh, so do you think it's a top three heavy draft? Do you think those three guys are going to be, you know, at the end of, you know, five years down the line, 10 years down the line, the three guys we look back on and say, yep, those are the, those are the guys. Um, or, or is there a sleeper? No, I, I think that there's, there's more players to just a top three heavy draft. I mean, when you look at a guy like Jared Cover, who's a terrific two-way player out of Texas Tech, he, he reminds me a lot of Paul Pierce and how he attacks the game. He plays with exquisite footwork. He can get his own shot. He's a fantastic defender. And my favorite player in the draft is probably Cam Reddish. Um, he's, he's the most skilled player in this draft, 6'8", 6'9", 7'1", wingspan, can play point guard a little bit. He has that... Tracy McGrady type of style for me and I just think you know at Duke he wasn't able to show how good he really is so if Cam Reddish goes to the right team like an Atlanta or something like that uh you could be looking at a kid that's going to be a superstar in this league uh Rashad um you just mentioned that as far as Cam Reddish and that Duke what he was doing there what he wasn't able to do it seemed like in, when Zion and RJ had that big first game on the opening night on national TV, everybody saw it. They're like, oh, man, this team is – they're not going to lose a game. They're the best team I've seen in 20 years, blah, blah, blah. But right. what, what did people miss that made it that Duke didn't go to the Final Four? What did you see that said, okay, maybe there's not something right here in terms of them being – getting it done at the college level, like you said, where, where uh, Cam wasn't able to show what he could do? Or what was their holes there that – those holes won't be there at the NBA level individually on different teams. Okay, so yeah, that's a, that's a great, a lot to unpack with that question. That's <laughs> yeah. a great question. Ronnie always um, answers, <laughs> asks those questions. <laughs> yeah, it was a great question. Um, one thing why, you know, I think Duke, I think we, I think we, we, I say in general, that we tend to crown college teams too early. Yeah. I think you have to allow the process to play out. And I think with Duke, the, the, the freshmen were playing so well early on and, and they were all over, you know, all over the main platforms. But we tend to ignore the teams that are really good, but they're kind of methodical, um, boring, to, for lack of a better word. You look at a team like Virginia that was always good. Uh, I think that that was Duke's kryptonite throughout the season and they end up winning the national title. But on top of that, when you look at a guy like Cam Reddish, who the, the, the college game is more closed off. The spacing is not there. There's no defensive three seconds. There's a lot more scheme. So when you put that, when you when you apply that um, to a player that's more of a wide open skill based player like a Cam Reddish who needs space, who needs timing, um, I think that's why he wasn't able to thrive especially with Zion and RJ commanding so many of the possessions that he just kind of got lost in the shuffle. 
Yeah, I, I think that does make make sense. But you know, if I'm going to be devil's advocate, a lot of people yeah. a lot of people question Cam Reddish's motor or his desire or stuff like that. Uh, yeah. What what do you make of of those comments about about Cam Reddish? Mm-hmm. Easy. I think I think I don't think he had those questions going in. I yeah. think people started to create those questions as the games went on, and I thought he lost. Um, I just thought he kind of just lost his will to play. I think he just got to the point where it was like, you know what, I'm going to be the third wheel on this team, and I'm just going to go through the motions. Um, but for me, I, I, I tend to look at the whole player and not get caught up in narratives that are painted by other people. So when I watch the film, what I see is a kid that's a special basketball player that has a high skill a high skill set and has the ability to do some things that nobody else in this draft can do. And uh, that's, that's how I view Cam Reddish. Okay. Yeah. I, I agree with that because I mean, Ronnie and I saw Cam Reddish a lot uh, at the high school level, um, whether, said that in high school. right. Whether it was in person or, or, or whatnot. I mean, he was dropping 40 a night in the EYBL yes. when, whenever he felt like it. So, yes. um, you know, I just pulled up your, your top 20, uh, you know, rankings in order. Um, not, not in order of draft position, but in order of, you know, um, you know, potential, um, you have Daniel Gafford at number nine. Um, and you think he's a hidden gem. Why do you believe that? Um, man, when you, when you look, let's look at the, when you look at the NBA now, when you look at the defensive side of the ball in the NBA, the guys that thrive on the defensive side of the ball of the NBA are those long, lanky interchangeable athletes. Let's look at Mitchell Robinson last year. Mitchell Robinson was one of those guys. You look at Jared Allen. So when you look at their arch type, you find the players in the draft that has those same similarities. And Daniel Gafford is one of the faster players in the, in the, uh, in the prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, 6'11", fantastic finisher. He's great around the basket. He can jump. He can run. And he can switch out on multiple defenders. And those type of guys in the NBA are valuable. So what he brings to the table, I don't think that – I think we always focus on offense when it comes to draft. Sure. So it's always offense, offense. What can he score? Can he dribble? Can he shoot? But we tend to get away from what helps winning teams. What help the, – the turnaround for the Brooklyn Nets this year – We'll all say on the surface was D'Angelo Russell's emergence as a great player, but not giving Jerry Allen the credit and what he meant for that team on the defensive side of the ball. And I think Daniel Gafford brings that same type of impact on the defensive side of the ball. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, great insight, Rashad. Uh, we've been talking a lot on this pod about the Lakers, obviously what the drama they went through in the last 24 hours. And then even before the drama of them going, getting up to the number four pick. So uh, for, for some people, drafting four is no different than drafting seven this year or six. You know, in terms, obviously, the, the number four pick has more value. But in your estimation, one, should who should the Lakers be looking at strongly at that spot? And then two, or should they be thinking about trading to that spot and getting a veteran or getting some shooting? You know, what, what, what's your take there? I think where well, you have LeBron James, so you have to pair him with somebody who is good at standstill shooting. Right. So that would be Cam Reddish at four if you want to use that pick. But I would personally probably try to shop that number four pick and try to get a veteran in because you got to look at LeBron James' window. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a lot of time left. So if you want to make a push as a team, you don't really have time to wait on a rookie that you drafted at four. Um, so I would I would try to package that pick 
with maybe one of the young guys and try to get a veteran in there and I'll obviously get a free agent to kind of make a push for the playoffs. Because Lakers didn't make the playoffs this year, obviously. So you 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 know, drafting another rookie, then you now you got the Kuzma, the Lonzo Ball, and Josh Hart. Now you got all these young guys again, and, and then the story will repeat itself. So you gotta I would try to package that pick. Now, follow-up question. You you mentioned Cam Reddish would be good at four, but uh, the follow-up question is, who has the most value at number four, in your opinion? Um, I, I like I like Jared Culver a lot because of his his ability to defend as well. I, like I said before, I think we don't put enough emphasis on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Jared Culver comes from a program at Texas Tech where they were you know top five in, in the defense, uh, top five in defensive. Uh, percentage the last two years and that's just how they played there so he has that implemented in the way he plays and also he's he's a terrific mid post guy um he's a winner um he can score i think uh, jared Culver will be a great pick right there i think i want to kind of go back to a guy who might have kind of got lost in the shuffle as cam registered at duke with nasir little at um yeah. carolina, carolina. Uh, he didn't start um, you know, he came in with a lot of, a lot of fanfare, McDonald's all American, uh, you know, all those, you know, high school accolades and things like that. Uh, your projection for Nessie little, you know, he's the top five ranked player, uh, as far as talent goes in your top 20. Um, what do you think his ceiling is? I, I think he's going to be a, a better NBA player than he was college player. I yeah. think he just falls under that roof. Um, when you look at him, when I break him down, I watched him on film is the fact that he does more with less. Mm-hmm. He gets, tw- he'll get 12 touches. He'll score seven of those, you know, yeah. he'll get 11 touches. He'll get five score. He'll score five times. You know, he just makes the most out of the least. And that's what I love about him. He's a high character kid, low maintenance type of player. Um, he's a three and D guy. He can shoot better than what people give him credit for. I think he's the Rob Gronkowski of this draft. I think he's, that's what I think. And I think Cam Reddish is the Randy Moss of this draft guys that kind of got those go, those generic red flags painted about them. But when you remove those, those guys are like, will be really great additions to whatever team take both of them. Gotcha. And a guy who Ronnie and I out West watched a lot in high school, uh, I mean, I saw him as a as a freshman on on the JV team at Esperanza High School. Um, Stanford's Casey Akpala. Um yeah. He kind of is a prototype, you know, size uh, NBA yeah. wing scoring. You know, you, you can do it in the mid range. Not sure about his NBA three point shooting ability, but um, he's just a you know a big time scorer. What do you think his you know NBA impact is? Um, you think he's an impact guy right away, or is he a guy who needs maybe a couple years to get ready for the physicality? I think I think it's going to take them a year or two, but uh, again, as a lot of it is a fit. What team will they go to, and how will they be used for these teams? Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, when you look at KZ, um, when I watched him on tape, he reminds me a lot of Evan Turner. When Evan Turner was at Ohio State, played a lot of uh, point forward, can do a little bit of everything, can score, it can pass, it can rebound, it can defend. Good athlete, um, not a great three point shooter. So I think that he's one of those guys that. Um, you can give some of the ball handling responsibilities to. So a team that needs an extra facilitator that has that's great size, I think KZ fits that. And I think he's one of those diamond in a rough type of draft picks. Sure. So whatever team gets him, I think you can use him uh, primarily as a facilitator. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. I never kind of looked at him in that light because when we've seen him, he's just been like a dominant 
score at the high school level and in college in his sophomore year, he was a, you know, he was a high level scorer for Stanford. Um, biggest sleeper in this draft, whether it's a guy who, you know, might be projected in the second round right now, um, or, or late first round, who's going to be extremely productive and good down the road. Um, I, I, I like, I like the point guard Jalen leak. I like him. Okay. Um, I think that he just has, I think he has an it factor about him. I mean, he's explosive, he's fearless, and I think just given the right opportunity, uh, I think he'll 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 make the best of, of it. I mean, he played well in the combine game, he tested well. Um, I just think like if the right team gets him and develops him, I think he will be a, a, a diamond in this uh, in this draft. I, I I really do. Okay, I like that pick. One more thing before we go. So you were right. You were right on Trey Young. Um, you know, I'm not sure why his talent and product NBA production was, was kind of ever questioned by anybody, but Luka Don, Luka Doncic, man. I mean, a lot of people were, you know, on Twitter and all that kind of saying there's no chance. And he came in and proved everyone wrong. Um, what did what did you, what did you miss? What, what did you overlook about his game? Um, when I, you know, just, just watching him, I always said that it was about fit for, for Luka. I just thought that, uh, if he would have went to Phoenix, I don't think he would have had that type of success uh, or Sacramento just because of the makeup of teams. I think Dallas, and if you can look at my records, uh, when Dallas drafted him, I gave Dallas an A-plus for drafting Luka because I said that was the perfect fit. I also said that I wanted the Sac- San Antonio Spurs to mm-hmm. move up and try to pick him. I just thought that if he gets with the right team that allow him to play the right way, that he would be special. Um, but I think what I've missed is – I didn't think he was going to be that good offensively. Okay. I didn't think he, like, on tape, he had some moves, and and even me talking to a couple of people, I just didn't think he was going to be that good of an offensive player. So that's where I missed on tape, that he's actually a better offensive player than what I what I gave him credit for. Like, he's, he's, a, he's fantastic offensively. For sure. Rashad Phillips, we appreciate you coming on, man. Um, you can follow Rashad and all of his good stuff on Twitter at, at rp3 natural um we hope to have you on again rashad um as the nba draft gets closer and as you get you know an opportunity to look at guys more and kind of form you know uh, you know who's going where and we're gonna have you back on yes. and discuss the nba draft we appreciate it man i appreciate you guys thank you so much all right brother thank have a good you day. Rashad. ronnie i mean good stuff interesting yeah. stuff uh there's a lot to Breakdown down yes. and like he said you know there's different ways even he's saying there's different ways the lakers going for i think they're in a tough spot they're in a, a tougher spot than they so, would be at eleven. They're in a. They're in we the, can we can finish this. this is a long pod because yeah. we've had a lot of guests and a lot of stuff to talk about. We can fi- we, we can wrap this up. We can finish this off by really kind of diving into what the Lakers' opportunity or lack of opportunity is here with the number four pick. It's either going to you're going to pick a guy like uh, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Jarrett Culver, and he's going to end up being pretty good. Solid. Or or yeah, or you trade the pick. And you botch the trade because you don't have any basketball people in the organization. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you and can't then you, botch then you're the really trade. screwed, right? You can't really botch this trade. You're gonna have to get value. Who has value? I don't know. I mean, let's just break the Lakers up, the, the those three young guys one by one. Who has the most value be, and the least value between Kuz, Ingram, and and Lonzo? You know, I, I you know, obviously point guard's important position. You know, Kuz is kind of proven, but again, you 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 he was 27, so. You're not going to hit all the time at 27 or 28, whatever he was. No, you want to try to keep that. You're, you're going to miss more often you're gonna than miss not at 27. More, yeah, you're going to miss. So you know, Ingram's solid. He's, he's 
What's he gonna? What's he bring? So I mean, what's your take there, Demi? So, what's the guy they gotta try to keep, and then what's the guy that gets the most trade this, value? This is extreme. This is an extremely difficult difficult question because yeah, the guy that they sh- they need to keep. There's two guys they need to keep, and one guy who I believe personally is expendable. Yeah. Two guys they need to keep are Lonzo Ball. Make sure try and get him one more healthy year because I think he's impactful both as, as a distributor and a defensive player. Right? Yeah. Versatile defender, he plays hard, but he can't stay healthy. Yeah. The second guy is Kyle Kuzma. You keep yeah. Kyle Kuzma because he's so gifted offensively. Okay. Whether it's catch and shoot three, which is what they need. This is that's or, what the league is. Or yeah. he can attack hard closeouts. You know, he has that little baby hook shot. He's a good finisher. He's just a good player. A uh, good player. Good offensive but player. Defensively, I mean, is he is he a good def- good on ball defender? Not really. Is he a good help defender? Not really. But the NBA is kind of a scorers kind of league right now, right? Yeah, they gotta take give and take something. He's not pr- Right. That's why he's twenty seventh in the draft. Exactly. Or whatever. So, so here, that's what you're saying. So here we stand with Brandon Ingram. Yeah. As the guy who's expendable. The number four pick and Brandon Ingram and maybe like a future first round pick. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure what, you know, what the packages would look like or, or the financials. Yeah, yeah. Or financials. Maybe add Josh Hart. He's a solid role player, you know, yeah. plays hard finishes in transition. Um, you know, a guy who just is, is tough. I, I like Josh Hart. I'd prefer that they, they keep a guy like that because he's kind of a program guy. Right. Sure. Um, so what value do, does Brandon Ingram and number four pick have Bradley Beal? Whoa. Is Bradley Beal make them a, a Western Conference contender? No. He helps them though. He helps them. Is that the move? Can you can you get those guys and convince New Orleans to send you Anthony Davis, even though the owner's saying we're gonna trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers over her dead body? Yeah, well it's that <laughs> like you said. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I don't know if they're gonna get Anthony Davis like you right. said, but here's the thing that I see is if you get a guy like a Brad Bill, if you trade that four pick, LeBron has to be locked in this year because if we go back to this Portland series. Portland, the last two games, had times where they looked bad. And let's not put it past LeBron. In certain games down the stretch there, he knew this team wasn't going very far. He was horrible defensively. Yeah. He oh, just, he was he was horrible defensively all year. So he's got to pick that up, period. Yeah. If oh, they yeah, get a Brad Bill and think, okay, we can push for the fourth spot or third spot in the West, he's got to pick up his game yeah, at get, 35 years yeah. old. You get a he's, Brad Bill and maybe yeah. sign a, a top-shelf yeah. free agent, LeBron. then has you to have put, a good team. And LeBron has to show that. But like, here, I think LeBron's kind of one of those guys who's like, okay, now i got a good team. Now I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. Right? Now coming in with because these young did, guys. He didn't show that last year, and it hurt Didn't that look whole, very motivated defensively. No. And then it hurt everybody else's defense, like you're saying about Golden State. When you have guys that are know their roles and are ready to play and play hard, Draymond's lifting up Quinn Everybody Cook, else, yeah. Lifting yeah. up, you know, Kayvon Looney. Yeah. Everybody. Kayvon Looney's playing great right yeah. now. You know, good kudos to him. You know, so I think LeBron's going to be the guy that's going to have to do that again if they're healthy, if they get a, a a nice free agent, have a shooter, and that's a lot that has to go right. But and I'm sure Vogel will make them play harder in general. Yeah, because I thought that Luke Walton was a bit of a lame duck. He kind of coached like a lame duck yeah. at times. You know, he like, was more you're, bitching you're, at the refs all the time rather than coaching the damn team. Yeah, I mean, he just thought it was tough for him. You know, I don't think he had because again we've talked about it before he kind of came in the league at the same time as LeBron. LeBron has yeah. the juice to, to push him. Yeah. So now Vogel's going to have to do it with Jason Kidd. And, <laughs> and that could push them. And that might push Vogel to be like, hey, I need to get this done. Yeah. Or else they're going to get rid of my ass. <laughs> Jason and, Kidd. and Jason Kidd's going to be in there. You know, like, that's tough. So, uh, Ronnie, there's a lot there to discuss. There, we've discussed. We've discussed a lot. Um, and there's know, still more to come, man. There's still more to come. Obviously, Golden State, it's kind of overshadowing how good they've been playing all this lottery sh- crap and and lakers and their new coach 
Um, you know, we didn't even get to some guys that we saw on the grassroots level this week. Yeah. All the crazy stuff that happened to Jelani Gardner, who's a former player who's kind of fighting for his job yesterday. For no reason. This week, for no reason. Kind of, in, it looked like he was on, on trial. <laughs> for no reason. You know, right. he's, he's a guy trying to help young kids. We're trying to help young kids. So as we close out the show, you know, we did see some good players. We're going to see some good players this Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, I think the, I think next week's show will be very um, unless something unless something crazy yeah. happens to the Lakers, which is you yeah. know not beyond you know reproach. Um, we'll talk some high school. We'll talk high Magic Memorial Tournament this weekend at Orange Lutheran and various yeah. sites various sites in kind of North Orange County area. And uh, I think the Strive for Greatness, Bronny James team with Sky Clark and yeah. uh, Big Henry and uh, a couple other good players, young players, has something over at the Where's map. Where's that for at the, the f- map at the fans? Was fans is that the map this weekend? So yeah, you can, you can pretend. I'm not sure if you can I mean, shoot you never, from the map to yeah. Orange Lou. You never know to, if, to me bro- is, if kids are gonna play. So yeah. if you, if you go to the map and you're expecting to see Bronny walk in with with that team, I mean he might not be there. He might be there. It'd be great to see him. Yeah. He might not be there. So um, have your expectations kind of tempered in that yeah. that fashion. Um, but I'm, I'm probably going to take a look over there shoot and over shoot over and, to and, both and places. check. And, um, but I'll be at Magic Memorial, you know, pretty much yeah. all weekend long. I'll be at Magic Memorial. I'll shoot over there as well. Uh, we saw a showcase, uh, Best of SoCal yeah. showcase. Yeah, showcase. Yeah, this past week. And we'll talk a little bit about that next week. We'll preview the Pangos camp, which will be two weekends from now. Oh, my God. Pangos is already coming up. Jeez. Yeah, you know, it's NBA certified. Dino Stragonis, our guys, uh, expecting pretty much 30 NBA teams to be on hand. Obviously, a lot of national scouts will be there. A lot of uh, top-level players, guys that we'll see talking about in the 221, 220 draft, probably. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, so it's going to all happening really fast. We just had a lot of things to go over. We're appreciative of our guests, Dwayne Cooper, Kyle. And and Rashad, you know, uh, we went over a lot. We could have even talked. We could probably talk another 30 minutes realistically. Yeah, we really could. But for everyone's sake, yeah. we will cut it off here. Um, Devin Uglin and Ronnie Flores with the Ball is Life in the Paint podcast. We want to thank our guests again, like you said earlier. Um, Dwayne Cooper, former NBA player, USC star. Uh, Kyle Goon, the Lakers beat reporter for Southern California News Group. And Rashad Phillips, um, NBA draft and evaluation guru for Sports Talk 2319. Devin Newland and Ronnie Flores signing off until next week.